Good evening, America. Justice Waters, I have a question for you, and I'd like to play the devil's advocate for just a moment. Assuming you say what you say is correct, and the people decide to um, act out on this uh, problem to resolve this issue, are we not then, if not done lawfully, according to our Constitution, looking at insurrection? You know, they may look at that in that way. If you walked across the street and looked at them wrong, they would call it an insurrection. The Constitution, as well as the Declaration, uh, matter of fact, the second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence states that it's the people's right and it's their duty to take a tyrannical government, tear it down, and rebuild it. That's what the Founding Fathers put in that Declaration. That wasn't just for them. That is for us. you got to remember, when they wrote that, they didn't have a government. So who was that for? That was for those that followed them. That would be us. So we have the duty as well as the right in accordance to law. And the Constitution says that the government is to guarantee the Republican form of government for every state against invasion. Do we not have an invasion going on? Does the state of Texas have a Republican form of government? Now, I don't mean the Republican Party. I mean the, the Republic form of government as the founding fathers set it up. How about Arizona? How about New Mexico? How about Florida? How about the state you live in? Is it a Republican form of government? Or is it tyrannical? Does the governor take possession and do everything you do like I say or else? What is it in your state? Do you really have a voice? Or do you just kind of sit back and watch everybody else deal with it? This is the problem in America right now. Go ahead, Governor. Because they formed our forefathers, uh, were hoodwinked and were put in a box to to form this corporation because of the bankruptcy, the previous bankruptcies that we'd experienced. In a way, what our forefathers did for us was a blessing rather than just succeeding governance to a foreign entity to, to become their territory or their nation or whatever you want to call it. They allowed us to kind of keep our form of government under a, a corporate law by Supreme Court dictate says that when we the people want to take our destiny back again, we get to do that. And so my point is, is that because of the unique situation we find ourselves in, we can do this reoccupation to the highest standards of law being our Constitution and our our Bill of Rights without facing any type of charges of insurrection or uh, a coup or any type of a, a takeover because literally all we're doing is just closing down a corporation that served its purpose and, and just gone bad or no no longer needed. And that's done every day in the court system. And there's a procedure to, to closing down these corporations and dispersing the assets to the people. And isn't that what we're doing here? 
Well, yeah, that would be one of the issues that we would be doing. There's a lot to it. It's not just one thing. You know, when, when this is over and what we're doing now, maybe what we need to do is sit down for a couple of weeks and explain to the American people exactly step for step how that would be done. If something was going to happen and I'm involved in it, I kind of would like to know, you know, looking at what's going to come my way, kind of get a heads up. You know, that might be a good idea for us to do. But at the same time, the people also need to understand we're on a timeline. I know people don't like to hear that. The fact is we're on a timeline. Now, they claim they got the midterm elections coming up. I can almost guarantee you we're going to have lockdowns before that. They're going to try to implement some kind of new virus and tell us we're all going to die again if we don't take it. Take their shots. You got to lock down. They're going to do that so they can do their election the same way they did last time. I hope the American people are smarter this time. I know some states have already dealt with that, taken care of it. But this is something to look forward to. Now they got the monkeypox thing going on. That thing can turn on you real quick. I'm talking to the American people. All it takes is one newscast to come on and they're bribed or paid to say something that ain't true. Next thing you know, everybody's scared to death, and that's where they got you. This is why you need to be informed. You need to do your homework. You need to listen to the right people, not MSNBC and people like that. Thank you, sir. I just heard something not too long ago. I was a little busy doing something else. I might not have heard it correctly, but I'm hoping for a little bit of clarification, so I have a question. Uh, I heard the Northwest Ordinance mentioned. Now, my understanding of the Northwest Ordinances of 1784, 1785, 1787 was it was a method established by Congress to settle a Northwest Territory, you know, the part of the American frontier west of the Pennsylvania, north of the Ohio River, east of the Mississippi River, south of the Great Lakes, kind of what's the Midwest. And it was, it was American land policy until the Homestead of Act of 1862. Now, my question is, what is it that you're referring to in a modern-day context with the Northwest Ordinance? Justice Waters, why don't you take that one? Basically, what it amounts to is, you know, the states have boundaries that and if they don't have a Republican form of government, when we are stood up, they become territories. And through the Northwest Ordinance, then the president of the republic has the right and the Congress has the right to appoint governors and judges in each state until they themselves can set themselves up, you know, with, with the, the full gamut of, of uh, government. I believe it's the amount of people that they need to vote for an election, this, this is how it would take place. If some states that we have right now are fully operational, like Wisconsin, we have states that are not. California, Texas, you know, states like that. We need people in Indiana, just like in other states, to, you know, become governor, become senators, representatives, you know, those kind of positions. And that's what the Northwest Ordinance is referring to the the Congress and the President have the authority under that act to appoint somebody to be a governor and begin to, you know, bring the 
the Republican form of government into play for that territory, which then would re rename itself as a state. It would keep the same name, don't get me wrong, but it's just a formality that we have to go through by law to gain prominence throughout the country. Technically, if we are stood up, everybody would be in the republic. That would be the law form of the land. But each state, now this, this is where it gets tricky with our nation. We are not a government that controls everybody. It's the states. It's the union. It's a union of states. And the government is to protect the union, not the union protect the government. That's kind of how we would deal with that. We have to do everything by existing law. We can't go out and start making our own laws and do things the way we want. That's where you get in trouble. There have been organizations around the world that tried to take, you know, Egypt over when Egypt, their government fell. Uh, Lebanon had a problem. Syria had a problem in their day. And, you know, when you don't go by their existing laws, you get stomped on. So it's a very important, not to mention the fact we serve a God and that God is in control of this republic. He's in control of everything. And whenever he sees fit to stand this baby up, everything will fall into place as he ordains it to. And we are the ones that are protecting the seats. And we are the ones that are hoping that other people, such as yourself, Sarge, uh, become involved. And away we go. Okay, got it. Follow-up question is now, does this vision you have regarding Northwest Ordinance, is it in any way affected by the Homestead Act 1862? Or would you have to modify it in any way? Well, people own property now. Back then, they didn't. So there are homes and lands and farms and ranches already established. So you're not going to be able to go into whatever state you're in and, you know, kick 300 people out because you want 500 acres. You know, you're not going to be able to do that. I know in the Northwest Ordinance, it says the governor will have X amount of, of uh, acres, you know, same right. as judges and so forth. Unless people are willing to give it up, which I doubt they will, uh, we can't come in and just take it over. The only way that we could do that is if that property is left abandoned, then we, you know, the government, the state or whatever could take that over and then, do, you know, follow it up like that. But for that to happen, there would have to be a major catastrophe take place, a major flood impact of an asteroid or something, you know, that takes out a, a large number of people for that to happen. So, you know, hopefully that, that doesn't. But, no, we're not going to be able to go in and say, you got to go, the governor needs this land. Can't do that. So that would be the one thing that we could not do for that purpose. There are people out there who, if they're appointed governor, would probably love that. But, uh, you know, that's just something we can't. It wouldn't be right. It'd be unethical, and it'd be immoral, and it goes against everything God stands for. So that's why we couldn't uh, couldn't do that. Sarge, let me clarify some things. That I, I can see where you're going. I appreciate your, your concerns. They're valid. Uh, Joseph, you're part of this, uh, Roger, many others. Um, back in the day before we actually stood this republic up, 
there were committees amongst the various states, lots of committees, education and flag and just all kinds of committees because nobody had ever written a book as to how to how to shut down the corporation beast and to take back our government. And these committees, uh, because the Northwest Ordinance had actually been codified into the Constitution, it was of general consent of the committees of the people that this was the only roadmap that we had back to our republic. Joe, would you like to comment about, about those days? I mean, about those days, I remember, you know, clearly, but... Yeah. We like I, I think we mentioned it up it was 2010 actually when all the governors were served, uh, all 50 governors, and at the same time the uh, assemblies were were being formed around the country. Mm-hmm. And for instance, let me give an example here in North Carolina. We met in Chapel Hill several times, and the Wrightsville Building in Greensboro, and we gathered about two three hundred people, and we had individuals from the Republic that would lecture the people and show them how to set up an assembly. And uh, uh, and a group of uh, I guess you could say what uh, of people that would um, approach the local courthouses, serve the courthouses, and put them on notice of the assemblies that were formed and the grand juries that were uh, formed. And the, you know, it, it started progressing. It was it was quite uh, strong the movement actually. And then for some strange reason, something came about where. There were some. Uh, there was a, a shooting, I think, in Arizona or something with a police officer, mm-hmm. and there was another uh, shooting and a suicide, I think, in Tennessee. And and Obama started putting down the reins on you know the republic and started going after a lot of people, and people started getting rounded up, and it kind of just everything just kind of faded away. It was it's very strange as to how things just went away. All of a sudden, people started losing contact with everybody. People were scared. One guy I spoke to on the phone, he's like, he was petrified uh, for his life. And he said, you know, he he said, I'll talk to you, Joe, but only you. And he was from Tennessee. And I guess he got a visit from some people in some suburbans. And they told him, hey, knock it off with what you're doing. Or basically, basically, flat out terms, we'll kill you and your family. You know, so, you know, he was petrified. And it was kind of it was kind of things like that, and that's really what really did happen. That's how think, people were threatened, and I was never threatened, uh, uh, thankfully, and they never came after me. But uh, you know, if, but I know they were watching me, and so I think kind of coincides with the point you were talking to uh, talking about Governor earlier. You know where where you know, and the question you asked Roger, where you know what I'm not doing anything unlawful. So you have to be careful when we start talking about re- re-inhabiting the republic and, and booting out this corporation. We have to do it and assimilate it properly and lawfully because one idiot out there can screw it up for an entire country. Oh, yeah. You know? Well, I that, mean, that's so, what kind of leads me into another question that uh, I'd like you all to clarify me if you can. And that is, now the Northwest Ordinance dealt with territories that were not states. So clearly they weren't dealing with anything that was a state yet. Yeah. But Article 4, Section 3 of the Constitution, does any of this run into conflict with that part of the Constitution, Article 4, Section 3? I don't think it does. What do you, well, Justice Waters, what do you think? Or Governor? No, uh, let, me, let me tell you why. Because all the states that we have right now, all, all 50, they are not a state. They are a corporate entity. 
They gave up their statehood when they became a part of the corporation. They're not even a state corporation under the law, their law. They belong to the corporation, however. So when the corporation goes away, so does the state. And if you're not a state, then you become a territory in, in law. And that's why we can implement the the Northwest Ordinance in, in such a way. Uh, it's it's a paperwork yeah, we, thing. I mean, that's just the way you know it, it is. It's it's in depth for people that don't follow the trail. But once you understand the corporation, how it works, how they gained went from a state to a corporate government, then you understand that when that corporate government goes away, nobody in this country uh, will be what they used to be. Yeah. We basically are starting all over again. I yeah, kind of get where you're, where you're coming from, but, I mean, notwithstanding the fact that we got West Virginia in this, supposedly as a state, and it was formed out of Virginia. Virginia certainly didn't consent to the creation of West Virginia, and they did that anyway. But I think it's kind of a tall hurdle to convince these other states in the Union that they're not actually states. And how do you envision the resistance to that sort of thing? Let me explain that, Sarge. We have Governor Henning with us. He's the governor of Wisconsin Free State. And I'm um, governor of Colorado Free State. Now, Colorado's applied for, as a territory, applied for statehood prior to the Civil War, but it was denied statehood several every time it was applied for until after the Civil War. And so the consequences of that are that our Constitution was written under the corporate Constitution, in effect, at that time, where Governor Henning, um, he serves... Uh, a constitution that was written uh, prior to 1871, and his state was formed, uh, formed by the people under our original constitution. So that kind of goes at your question, Sarge. I'll give you an example of de facto and de jure. This is from the University uh, of, of North Carolina in government law. All right. I'm going to give you an example here. It's just it's about one paragraph or one page. I'm not going to go into the whole thing. Let's see if maybe we can get correlate this or get a question about this. Last November, the voters elected a new town council and to celebrate the victors, invited their local congressmen to administer the oath of office. Several months later, uh, some pendant pointed out that North Carolina law doesn't permit congressmen to administer oaths of office. And so the new board had not legally qualified for office. The board members quickly took the oath before a proper office. But townspeople are now asking what's the status of each of the action, actions the board has taken since the, organizational me since the organizational meeting. In fact, the board members, before they took the oath in a legal manner, were de facto officers. And as, as such, their actions remain as valid as if the board members had been de jure or entirely legal offices. The School of Government has just published a local government law bulletin that summarizes the law of de facto offices in North Carolina, which is available for reading or downloading uh, such a site here. What follows is a short summary of the law as set uh, out at length in the bulletin. The case law distinguishes among three different legal statuses that might be ascribed to a person who appears to hold a public office. The person might be a de jure officer or a de facto officer, or what the courts characterize as an intruder or usurper, as a 
practical matter to the outside world, there is no legal difference between the acts of de jure officer and de facto officer. The actions are valid and cannot be attacked on the ground that the officer is not legally in office. The difference between the two kinds of office, officers is that if the person's status is challenged directly in an, act, in an action in the nature of quo warranto, warranto the de jure officer will survive the challenging uh, challenge, while the de facto officer will not. If a person is a mere intruder or usurper, however, any actions taken by the person are invalid and will not be recognized or enforced by the courts. The rationale for upholding the actions of de facto officers has been articulated a number of times by the North Carolina courts. The most recent expression is found in Wengler, a 1950 case found in uh, 231 NC 560 The de facto doctrine, doctrine is indispensable to the prompt and proper dispatch of governmental affairs. Endless confusion and expense would ensue if the Members of society were required to determine at, the, at their peril the rightful authority of each person occupying a public office before they invoked a yield, or yielded to his official action. An intolerable burden would be placed upon the incumbent of, of a public office if he were compelled to prove his title to his office to all those having occasion to deal with him in the official capacity. The administration of justice would be an impossible task if every litigant were privileged to question the lawful authority of a judge engaged in the full exercise of the functions of, of his judicial office. What does it take to become a de facto officer? The North Carolina courts have joined, joined the courts of most other states in recognizing four categories of de facto officers based on the opinion in 1871 case from Connecticut. So, not to carry on any farther, what, but what this does is, is, is what they're doing is they're sweeping under the rug everything after, before 1871. But right. in fact, you know, everything after, therefore, is, is, is basically felonious. It's de facto. And they go on and on about this. Uh, you know, there's other sections here I could really get in, but dual office holding and stuff like that. Really, what the governor was, was saying, or what Justice Waters was saying, is that they're corporate actors, this government right here. And the world recognizes that, but no one in America or the American people haven't stood up and challenge this or challenge the de facto. And if, if okay. everyone around the country does, then the de facto is illegitimate. It has to stand, step down. And, and then you start getting into canon law and law and all this other stuff. And it does get pretty, like you said, Sarge, it would be, it's going to be a difficult process to re-educate exactly. the American people. That, that brings me to my next point or question, because I remember this pretty vividly in the case of Obama when he, Quo warrants or warrants were set out challenging his authority to be president of the United States under the proviso that he was not a natural-born citizen, which clearly he is not. Neither is Kamala Harris. And neither of those went anywhere. They just, the Article Three courts just refused to hear the issue as to what constitutes a natural-born citizen, whether or not he, in fact, met that requirement of the Constitution. So my question is, is that if this doctrine can be established, that no state admitted into union after 1871 is in fact a valid or a, 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 de, a de jure state under the Constitution, then what happens to all the electoral votes those states made for president, all the votes in Congress for any particular federal statute or law? I mean, how could that all be reconciled and all Well, there resolved? is a court, Sarge. There is a court that never heard that case with Obama, and I was screaming it, jumping up and down, and, there is, and it's called a floating multi-jurisdictional court. It's a federal court that doesn't answer to anyone, and it floats, and I think that's what the exact name of it, floating multi-jurisdictional court. You can look this up, and it has its own rules that follow the Constitution and obey the Constitution, but you have to bring more than two actions before it for, for it to hear. 
hear the uh, hear a case, and it's a panel of judges actually. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try to pull that information out in the next couple of weeks. But it's very interesting, and it's a called floating multi-jurisdictional court. And some old law professor pointed that out to me, and not many people know about it. But it's there, and it does have judges, and 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 it can hear cases. So just to you know, point that out to you about the Obama well, but again, warrants. I know I may be about. going a bridge too far here because we ain't even got this thing established yet as an official doctrine or at least recognized widely as such. But assuming it was to be, what would happen to everything that every state that participated in any federal action subsequent to 1871 that was not properly admitted into the Union, how could all of that be reconciled? And, or, or, in effect, would it ever be? Gene Herzer, That's what you're living through. Hi, Gene. Oh, Gene. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah. Hi, Hi, Gene. Thank you. I appreciate the privilege of speaking here and I have enjoyed Sarge's knowledge of history as well as his questions. There's a few things that I'd like to bring forward that I think that I can be helpful on and with regard to the implementation of the Northwest Ordinance that President James Buchanan Geiger of the Republic for the United States of America has written. This gentleman is a brilliant man that is studied in history and in law and uh, we have to go by de jure law and since there's no, like Governor Carpenter had said, since there's no book or manual that was provided to us to how to re-inhabit the Republic and lost, it's been essential to go back through history and go back through law to find the closest model in law that we could in how to recapture and re-inhabit the, the free states, how to, how to repopulate the American Republic since the corporate democracy took over. And the closest law that could be followed or found was the Northwest Ordinance that was established in 1787. I'd like to mention that Thomas Jefferson wrote that, and he also took a first stab at that in 1784. And he was trying to get rid of the, the issue of slavery with the slave states he captured that. He he wrote a brilliant document in 1784, the Land Ordinance of 1784, but one representative didn't make it because he was sick, and so it got voted out. And then after that, the slave power of the southern states, they did their thing. And so, you know, the land south of the Ohio River, they started to expand the slave states. So there's the slave states and there's the free states and those that are not studied in history will understand that the slave states are the, the southern states that had a slave power. Those were not our friends. Those were the elite. Those were the secret societies that ran those states that enslaved mankind. The free states were those that were slavery was not a part of those states. And Thomas Jefferson tried to get rid of that. But since it didn't pass in 1784 because one representative didn't show up for the vote, he took a stab at it again in 1787. This time it was successful, but because the slave power took over the, the land region south of the Ohio River, they got more territory for the slave states. Having established that, we now want to go forward with the law that was passed with the Northwest Ordinance of 1787. For those that are not knowledgeable in history, that has to do with we had the 13 colonies on the eastern seaboard of America, 
and there were settlers that were coming in. We had more immigrants that were coming in, and it was expanding on the North American continent. And this had to do with the land with Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. This is how it began. And so law had to be written on how to do this. And that land was purchased, okay, and it was being expanded from territories. So there were initially territories. For instance, Wisconsin was initially a territory in 1836. It didn't become a state until 1848. So first there were territories, and these are the the, the areas that we were initially dealing with with the Northwest Ordinance. And so this is a model of what the Congress did at that time on how to expand the territories and, and then making them into states. And so President James Buchanan Geiger with the Republic for the United States of America followed that model in law because it was the closest model that could be followed and how to repopulate the American Republic from the corporate democracy. It's a brilliant plan and it's workable. And this plan can be looked at at the Republic for the United States of America dot org. It's right there on how it works. It's absolutely workable. But this is how that works. So it's a model. And it's really it's difficult because there was not a manual on how to follow. So we had to go back in de jure law, lawful law, and the American Republic law for a model on how do we do this. And this is that plan. This is the implementation of the Northwest Ordinance. How did I do on that? Summed it up pretty nicely. Thanks a lot, but I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, you pretty much summed it up according to my recollections anyway. To add to that, Gene, under that model, Sarge, it takes 30,000 people per each state or territory to be able to have lawful elections. So all we need to do to stand up each state is to get 30,000 people that want to have their own vote under Republic law, and we can stand this baby up. And I know that with 80-some million people not liking the direction this thing's going, we can find 30,000 people in each state, and once that's done, we now have jurisdiction and international recognition and standing. With that, we were just a state or two away of having a full rep enough representation to qualify to treaty with foreign countries, and before the, the big breakup that we experienced here a few years back, uh, we were that close. We had uh, international countries standing in line to treaty with us. Now, once that would have happened, then that would have opened up a whole new, a whole new reality for the American people, and we could have had our republic back if we had accomplished that, which is what everybody wanted. Everybody on this phone call would strive for that. We would have been left with this cleanup. So the 10-year plan was put together and implemented, and Trump was elected to be the people's president. And he gave the Republic back at his inauguration, and we're in the cleanup stage of the sting operation to bring down worldwide those nefarious people that have sought to enslave humanity worldwide, especially after the dispersement of the, the Nazis from Germany. And so 
what we're living through is a world, and it's a world effort. 209 nations agreed to this task. That's why Trump got the glad hand everywhere he went. They all rallied to come together against our common enemy. It's optimal timing because follow the money always is the number one rule. They had written Agenda 2020, Agenda 2030, and began implementation of that after the mandate from the federal judge in Colorado mandated the reestablishment of the republic and the takedown of the corporation due to the farm claims and Willie Nelson's farm aid concerts and all of that. Thus came the New World Order shortly after that, and they're getting ready to flip the currencies, and that's why they're draining the finances right now. Well, Jim, all, a lot of people don't understand. controlled demonition. Yeah. They, well, they don't understand. Yeah, I don't want to really go that far, but, but this is a good subject that Sarge is bringing up because you have the different citizenship or dual citizenship roles. You have the American state, national state citizens, federal citizens, territorial, territorial United States citizens, municipal citizens of the United States. You know, and you go, the American state national is neither natural born on the land and soil of American states, such as like Wisconsin or after being naturalized as a United States citizen, is a foreign born man or woman who voluntarily accepts and publishes their adoption of a specific American state as their permanent home, and a, a state national is not acting as a citizen of any government and owes no obligations to government beyond keeping the peace and reporting crimes. As a completely unincorporated person, a state national is a sovereign and private and general immune from prosecution until and unless see, they take some action that causes actual physical harm in someone else uh, or someone else's property, whereupon they are subject to the common law of the country and state where they live mm-hmm. or where the, the alleged crime is committed. A state national can be arrested for cause by peacekeeping officials, but it's not generally subject to private courts or to arrest by private law enforcement officers. By definition, the state national is a civilian and an internationally protected person is owed and is owed the law of peace. A state national may be elected to public office, whereupon they become subject to the affirmation of office. The state nationals are the people of each state and populate the national soil jurisdiction. If you're not actually employed by a federal subcontractor and not a dependent of the federal employee or nor a voluntary recipient, of unearned federal welfare benefits, nor political asylum seeker, nor knowing and willing volunteer or paid agent of the two foreign federal subcontractors, you are in fact an American state national or state citizen. Your earnings are not federal income and you're not generally subject to the federal codes and regulations unless you're engaged in the interstate manufacture sale or transport of alcohol or firearms or, or tobacco. And start going into all this, what a real citizen is, and, and all of us, Sarge, really, we're in the jurisdiction of this de facto corporate citizen. We're all corporate citizens, you know, and so therefore that's why we can't receive constitutional rights. We, we, we can't, you have no rights, really. You are licensed. You, you're, you're a slave, you know, and until we break away from that, and I'm not talking about everyone going around driving around with paper plates on their car talking about their, uh, you know, they don't need a driver's license, but in a way... We subject ourselves to all these contracts and licensing agreements with this, and it's and it's one big mess. And that's why you can't get justice in the courts, you know. And you can't. You, there's no justice out there. And that's why we got this mess out there right now, you know. Well, Joe, I'm telling you, the most difficult thing I ever tried to do in my life was explain to people why. Barack Obama was not a natural-born citizen, not eligible to be president of the United States. It was the most, out of every any legal <laughs> issue I've ever spoken of with people, it was almost impossible to make them understand why there was no way on the God's green earth 
That man could be considered eligible under Article 2, Section 1, Clause 5 of the United States Constitution. It was all but impossible. Now, I don't know if that would still be true today, but I know this much, this breaking news that's going on today, the, uh, uh, Merrick Garland and the Department of Justice have announced their opening an investigation into Trump's actions to overturn the 2020 election results. Now, you know what that means, don't you? Well, they're trying to push us into a civil war. They're getting war. ready to indict Donald Trump before November. Yeah. Exactly. They knew that there were going to be problems. They just announced it today. I, I believe that this will this information will help a great deal. There is a declaration of sovereign intent that was written by the first Congress of the Republic for the United States of America. This is an amazing, amazing document that that was also served around the world. It was served also to the United Nations, the Hague, the Postal Union. Uh, help me, help me with the, the correct terminology of this. Wherever it needed to, to be served by the Law of Nations, it was served around the world. And there is also it, it, it was a miracle that it happened. But we have proof of service to all of these entities. But the Declaration of Sovereign Intent was brilliantly written. And this document is available on the Republic for the United States of America dot org. This document covers all of the errors that our founding fathers made and, and they knew they made errors. They knew that, that their posterity was going to have to correct it. Like for instance, slavery. They took care of the slave trade, which ended in eighteen oh eight, but they were not successful in taking care of the institution of slavery itself that continued and the problems and Thomas Jefferson knew that judgment of the creator was going to come on on the nation because they were not successful in correcting that but the declaration of sovereign intent takes care of and has written and covered all of the issues that they did not get right uh, whether you know uh, skin color or you know equity well the two-party uh, system gender. is what really screwed things up yes Yes, that to everything that was not corrected when they when they initially formed the republic and they did not get right in law, that's covered in that. And also the amendments that were were made to the constitution, which is not the original constitution. Anything after the original thirteenth amendment, which they hid from the American people, it was passed in law, it's proven, but then there's this this false 13th Amendment, the Articles of Amendment to the original Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and then, which are the first 10 Articles of Amendment, and then there's the 11th, 12th, and the original 13th. Those are the original Constitution. The false 13th Amendment and thereon belong to the de facto government, the corporate democracy. Those are not part of the original 13th Amendment. So the Declaration of Sovereign Intent that was written in 2010, it, it was a miraculous thing, and then served on the nations and on, on the organizations, the elite organizations. They were served in April of 2012, along with the Proclamation of Claim and Interest on behalf of the American people, which is all available on the national website, covers all of the error. Look, it's so very important what what you know what the states and why we do need to assemble them. You know, it's so very important land jurisdiction, everything that's involved. You know, it's so very important. But Sarge, that's your the question that you pose is the question that well, I've always struggled with. Many people, but the movement that we had back in 
2009 with Mr. Turner and the people from around the country, the people that I met, you know, it, it, it was so far reaching and it grew so fast and mm-hmm. we started tripping over ourselves. And, you know, and, and the bad apples, of course, but they were weeded out. Uh, you know, they were just bad apples. But then, you know, we, we had to, we were isolated, began the isolation, like you talk about, Sarge. They started isolating people in groups. And, but the Republic's still here. It survived all that. The good people of the Republic are still around. And uh, there's a lot of people that are no longer with us. There's, you know, look, you're talking 12, 13, 14 years ago, you know. So that's why it's so important now. Look, Enough is enough. I don't want to wait any longer. I don't want to hear 10-year plan anymore. I don't want to hear 8-year plan. The time is now, and that's all that's to it. And we have to do it lawfully, peacefully, and we have to. And we have instant everything out there, instant access to everything. We're in such a fast-paced world, and there's no reason why this can't be learned quickly, and there can't be a quick response. And uh, things can change. You know, we're fighting an evil empire out there, evil people, group of people, and, and yeah, they do have a foothold and a stranglehold on many factors of our government today and our people and sections of our country. But there are still a lot of good people in sections and a lot of people who are willing to go to great lengths to uh, restore this thing and do what's needed, you know, uh, to, to, re- to restore our republic and re-inhabit our republic lawfully and bring the, the good people to the table, and there's smart people out there, and we can run this thing. And the world the world would not interfere. The world's watching us, wanting us to do this. But we're sitting back as Americans, drunk and entertained with everything that's wrong with us, and not, and, you know, not doing what we're supposed to be doing. So, but doing shows like this that are archived, we need to point people out to them and other shows and point them out to the Republic's website. And, uh, you know, as much as we possibly can. I do it 30 times a day, 40 times a day, 100 times a day. Every single day, this is what I'm doing. If I had 2,000 people like me out there, you know, uh, this thing would be over. We'd be done already, you know. So we need more than just me and a few, you know, handfuls of people across the country doing this. Everyone's got to, when they hang up the phone tonight or whatever, whatever they do, work, 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 work until the Lord returns. That's why I always say, and uh, that's what I do. Man, you know, I mean, look, you guys are saying things I've been thinking about for years and years and years. Uh, you're crystallizing the things that probably need to be done. But, man, I'm talking about we service has been so sadly neglected in this country. A basic understanding of the Constitution, the founding documents, the original intent of the founding and everything is so alien to most of these people, modern people's minds, particularly Gen X and Gen Z's. Man, I'm telling you, the, the, I, that I think is the biggest problem. Not not getting across the legal concepts, but uh, uh, literally presenting to a large segment of this population things that are absolutely alien to their understanding since they've been educated by modern-day progressives. I think that is the biggest single hurdle. We have the wall standing up against us. We have, like, for instance, someone posted in the chat room we have, in Virginia, the ATF is going door-to-door asking uh, people who made same-day two-dunk Two gun, two gun purchases, to, and asking to see those guns. Supposedly, there's a report now in Virginia that that's going on. So if they're pushing that agenda now and going to start moving forward with that, they're trying to antagonize and start something. So then we have to, you know, resist, resist, resist. But you know, cross this line, cross that line. You know, soon your back is to the wall. You know, you got to remember you're dealing with this because these people are either very smart too. And they know how to psychologically attack us. So we have to be careful, you know? 
Well, look at what we're dealing with now with this sham kangaroo court of a January 6th committee. They're using what they revealed in there, which was nothing that I saw whatsoever to connect Donald Trump with any illegal activity. Apparently, they're going to use it as a basis to get a federal grand jury indictment from Washington, D.C. against Donald Trump. That's now, I believe, that's in the works. You know, it's a kangaroo court held by a bunch of crooks, you know, against the marshal. I did want to say that, you know, in my travels, Sarge, I don't get out a lot, but I get out. I've noticed some hope out there. There is a lost generation, but there is still a moral compass in some of those people that we're concerned about. And there was a picture when I got this thought that came with with that thought, Sarge. I think it's applicable. You know, in life, 10% carry the load and, and the 90% follow. Those people that are listening to this show that are on this show live like yourself, you know, we're obviously we're in that 10%. Uh, and we shouldn't expect. That's the laws of nature, and nature's God. And that's just the way life is. And, and so there is a remnant out there in those younger people that's, that's looking for the truth. And like yourself, once you hear the truth, you can't, you can't unhear it. You can't unsee it. That's all our job is, is to educate, to bring co- constructive conversation to the table and to educate and to promote people to act out in a lawful, legal, recognized manner and re-inhabit. They're, literally, it's a trust that's been passed down from our forefathers to our generation. And either we take control of this or it's going to be stolen from us. And that's where we're at today. So it's not a hard decision. You know, the decision is, is how do we get there? And it's been examined today. There's been no book written on how to do it. But in collaboration, not just one man being a a Jim Jones or somebody like that, but in collaboration, a grassroots effort has decided that this is the way that we can do this and create the fewest mass casualties. And perpetrate our civilization on to, to future generations. Yeah. This is the hill we die on, America and Sarge. And it's time you step up and own your part of it. And with that, I'll yield. Thank you, Joe, for having us on. Yeah, I couldn't uh, agree Governor. more because uh, I'm telling yeah. you, this the republic is literally at stake. The idea of a constitutional republic is literally at stake. And I don't. I, I frankly got to admit, I'm at a loss to understand how it's, it can be done, given what's going to be against us. I'm hoping that 10% you just spoke of will be the impetus to get it done. I still don't know exactly how, but I'm going to hope and pray that it will be. Yep. Uh, Governor Henning, Henning, and then uh, we'll play something here at the end, Governor Henning, and then, of course, we'll close it out with our prayer. Governor Henning, you want to go ahead and say something? Yeah, thank you, Joe, very much again for having us on this call. And, uh, Gene, thank you for bringing your uh, research and wisdom to the call also. Uh, Justice Waters, amazing, as always. Um, you know, America, it is time. Governor Carpenter, I, I appreciate you standing for America. Um, all of us have been volunteering our time for our American Republic here. Um, and, Joe, it's great to have this platform to get that out there farther. Um, America, I don't know, I, I feel a little loss of words right now, but, you know, you can go to republicforunitedstatesofamerica.org. You can read the Declaration of Sovereign Intent there. It's there for you. There's so many documents there. I say this every week, you know, go there, educate yourself. Um, You can go and uh, read the Northwest Ordinance Statute 150. That's how we need to bring this back to lawful, peaceful 
America's republic that our founding fathers left for us to protect. Thank you. God bless America. I'm going to suggest for those homeschoolers out there that are looking for truthful history and a moral basis and the laws of nature and nature's God, this is the course. These are the books. And everyone needs to be re-educated. We've been fed BS and told at stake for so long, so many generations, we don't know what a good steak is, folks. And once you taste it, you'll never go back. All right. Um, I'd like to start out with a quote with Aristotle. It says, it's during our darkest moments that we must focus to see the light. And as we all know, Jesus is the light of the world. He's the way, the truth, and the life and the light of the world. So here we go. Yahweh, our heavenly creator, you give us so much. Receive and are grateful for all blessings that are directed to us. Thank you. In the name of Yeshua, we ask for more of the truth to be revealed that will topple the house of cards of deception and will cause the American people to want to have the republic fully restored. What a time that will be, Father, for America to leave the corporate Babylonian enslavement system for our rule of law, constitutional, Father-approved republic. All your people, Father, whomever shall embrace your will and whose values the liberty our destiny cries out for. Father, make us strong in spirit and wise in your word to storm forward and conquer this battle that has already been won. For our children, for our families, for our country that we love, America. We stand in law, we stand on morality, and we stand in the word of God. Romans 8 briefly says, What shall we then say to these things? If God be on our side, who can be against us? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's chosen? It's God that justifies. So in my words, the answer is, uh, we can stand against who God's chosen is. So Father, cleanse us in the blood of Yeshua so that we are made sinless and beautiful in your sight. Send your holy angels to free all those in bondage and who have been unlawfully incarcerated by unjust proceedings. Protect our military in air, on land, and on sea by wrapping them in the fullness of Psalms 91. Hold our courts to the fullness of common law in, in Psalms 82. Save America and our brothers by the action of Psalm 75. For you are God, and there is no other. But God save the Republic in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Amen. 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 And everybody, uh, everybody, check us out on on Google. Go to Google Podcasts and iHeartRadio, Spotify, uh, Podchaser, even on Amazon, Amazon Audible. We're on there, so promote us on there. Listen to us down on there, and when you can, download the show because it's important. Because the more we get out there, the more people around the world and around the country will be listening and paying attention to the things that we're talking about that are so very important about restoring our republic. So very, very, very important. Next week, we're going to be talking about racketeering and how the Biden administration is breaking the racketeering codes and statutes. Okay. Sounds great, man. Sounds great. Sounds like an awesome podcast. Next Tuesday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, everybody. Make sure you pay attention and log in and listen to the Republic of the United States. And uh, this is your government.